0: Welcome to episode two of Too Many Cults, a little podcast series that we're doing talking about the documentary Shiny Happy People Duggar Family Secrets. Um, I am here with my co host, Lindsay Stranigan. This is a crossover episode between Prophetic Imagination Station and the Holy Ghosting podcast. And just since this is a crossover episode, I think a lot of people from our podcast know more about you and your upbringing in some sense (laughs) because you are DL's sister.
1: That's correct, and DL has talked a lot about our family on your podcast.
0: (laughs) Exactly, Um, but yeah, since for for folks that listen to the Holy Ghosting podcast, I am Lindsay's brother-in-law, and I was not homeschooled for most of my education. But I was homeschooled a little bit, and I was also a missionary kid, so I have some evangelical badges.
1: You, you sure do. Lived in China, right?
0: Uh-huh, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: And I am Lindsay Stranigan, one of the co-hosts of the Holy Ghosting Podcast. Uh, which talks about ghosting evangelicalism. And for those yeah who aren't familiar with me, I am DL's sister. I am the eldest sister. I'm classic oldest sister. And yeah, I was homeschooled until ninth grade and then went to Christian high school and Christian college. My father is an evangelical minister. And I am currently, I am like a head of the board of my um, Episcopal church. So I am still in the church, but it looks nothing like the church of my youth, thank God.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so there is a lot in this episode, too. Like, a lot, a lot.
1: So, so much all of the trigger warnings but mm-hmm. most specifically we will be getting into sexual abuse we will be getting into physical emotion i mean like every kind mm-hmm. of abuse a lot of misogyny uh sexual assault i what i don't what am i <laughs> yeah
0: right um yeah domestic violence yes um like intimate partner violence uh authoritarian harsh parenting like Everything that is terrible about patriarchal structures and like all the violence that happens there within, we're going to talk about today. We are going to let you know about those transitions, so you can kind of know what we're about to shift into if you want to skip it. Also, we will put the time signatures in the episode, so you have a sense of kind of what each section we're talking about. Because, yeah, there's so much going on here. Yeah, Uh, they get into...
1: All the things on this episode. My first note, I took extensive notes and my, I just said, episode starts off all caps intense. Yes. <laughs> like that's just the theme of the episode.
0: So basically, the point of this episode is to talk about sexual abuse. Uh, we're going to come back to that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically what it does is it kind of lays out, like, what are the things that allow for sexual abuse to happen in a mm-hmm. community? So we're going to be, like, talking through those, and then we'll come back to the sexual abuse abuse yeah. point.
1: Yeah, the episode starts off with some big things about Josh and then sort of rewinds and gives you a lot of foundation, and we're going to work through some of these, basically, discipline structures, homeschooling, like, just the messaging that these kids were given that really created a particularly toxic and dangerous, you know, uh, breeding ground for predators and victims.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, so they started again just kind of interviewing people who have left IBLP, which I'm... Also, I just want to say that I'm very grateful that the people who are able to, like, step out and say something, you can obviously tell some of these people are really in real time working out some of this stuff, so, um, like... There's a couple, it's funny, I will say from last week, they start right off again on the homeschoolers and the nerdiness of it all. And like the line that you can spot a homeschooler from a mile away. And I know I pushed back on that last week and we, I did get a comment on Instagram with the episode that someone was like, uh, you're wrong, Lindsay, you, you can, no matter what you can spot (laughs) them. And I'm like, dang it. (laughs) So yeah, apparently y'all know, you just know if we were raised that way, um, pantaloons or no, um.
0: I was wrong about something last week, which was I basically assumed that they weren't able to find very many survivors from the Gothard cult. Um, but now I know that that wanted to speak up, which I think like there is such a cost to speaking up. Yes. Um, but also, th- this episode had a lot of survivors that weren't connected to the Duggars, um, yeah. but that were connected to Gothard. So, which was really great to like have their experience in here as well.
1: Yeah, and so it kind of gets into interviewing a lot of these different people about their involvement in the IBLP. I thought it was really interesting. They're giving a little bit of the history of Gothard and his teachings and how. Like the Southern Baptists really held onto them, but it wasn't, he wasn't associated with any one particular denomination. And so lots of different evangelical churches picked up his teachings. And I thought one of the points that was made was that we often think of a cult as having a centered geographic location, but this wasn't that. It was like centered around a person, but it spread like wildfire throughout the United Mm -hmm. States. Like we often think of cults as like, being that this, you know, like, Jonestown right. type of situation, right? like, right? on a
0: commune. Right,
1: right. And this is a cult that's, like, widespread all over mm-hmm. the place, which is very interesting.
0: Yeah. I thought it was interesting, too. They talked about, like, why were people drawn into this? And, like, at least from the survivors, they were talking often about, like, um, you know, a lot of our parents that were drawn into this had rough childhoods. Yep. And so this dynamic of, like, feeling out of control in your life or feeling, like, I don't know how to keep myself safe like are drawn into these like black and white like rules like and we saw this in the last episode Gothard said things like here are the things I will solve depression mm-hmm. problems in your marriage like like just list everything and he says like there is a simple answer for every problem in your life
1: and if you follow his rules everything will be okay if mm-hmm. you stay under that umbrella and you are obedient then He says it's all gravy, right?
0: Right, exactly. Yeah. So I thought, like, again, as a therapist, like, I thought that was really interesting to think about, like, what, what about like traumatized people, Mm -hmm. people that had gone through, uh, you know, trauma early in life? Um, Yeah, of course, it makes sense. You want to feel safe, and you want someone to say, especially if you come from a chaotic background where you didn't have like a community that was able to say like, here's how you do life and here's how you process your emotions and like all these things, here's how you solve problems, right? You come from this chaotic place and someone's like, I will teach you how to be a person And you're like, all right, sign me up. Like, as long as it keeps me safe.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's that idea of chosen family. We often think about that with people now who are on the margins of society and choose their own family. But in some ways, I feel like our traumatized parents who had really dysfunctional relationships with their parents, like, this felt like a family to them, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's that... I think that they went all in on it because again, it was a safe space for them or they thought it was. And which is why I think the lack of critical thinking about, right. you know, like the things that are being, they just bought it, hook, line, and sinker. Uh-huh. Like, I still can't get over the fact that everyone like worship Bill Gothard, this man who's telling like all these women to pump out as many babies as possible. And the dude never married and didn't have children. Right. Like how? How? I just don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like the person who's telling you this didn't even bother to do it himself. So why is it that this is your greatest, like, I mean, this is like skipping to a little bit later, but I, one of the notes I took is like when they get into, it was like Josh's wedding vows later, they, in the ding vows, it was like praying to God. What was the line? Trust God with the size of your family
0: it was uh-huh. in
1: their wedding vows. Like yes. oof, woof. No, thank you.
0: Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And yeah. It is. I it, I was just shocked to learn that Gothard didn't marry like it. I hadn't picked up on that until like halfway through the episode.
1: Yeah. I, I, now that TikTok knows that I'm uh, into this, that I'm, they know that I'm doing, they don't know that I'm doing a podcast about it, but I'm being served a lot of Duggar content oh, on TikTok uh-huh. currently. So <laughs> I found out on TikTok, but they did mention it in the episode. It sounds like they'll get more into that. Next episode, we'll get a little bit more into Bill, but they start out right out the gate. We talked a little bit last week, I believe, about the umbrella of authority, but that was a big theme Mm -hmm. in this episode and how it's an actual, you know, picture of this umbrella and the umbrella is Christ and then
0: husband, husband, and And then then wife, wife and and then then children. Yeah.
1: And as long as you stay under your direct authority, then you know it's 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 a chain of command thing and if you're under your umbrella of authority nothing bad can happen to you was the quote in the documentary and they really come back to that and later they show like if you start doing bad things you know then you get holes in your umbrella and then mm. the satan comes through your umbrella so just it's not rain you're protecting against it's satan just so you know mm-hmm. satan's rain
0: <laughs> and crabs which was mentioned at some point <laughs>
1: <laughs> I might have missed so, that yeah
0: it's a parasite that is spread through immorality anyway we don't need to there's so many things that we could get lost in oh on my those, gosh so many things uh yeah but it does um it does talk about homeschooling right and yep. like, and, um, and and places it in terms of a um a reaction to inter- uh integration in schools yes Right And so, like we know that Christian schools, many Christian schools started as a reaction of that white evangelicals saying we don't want our kids going to school with black kids um and so homeschooling is another piece of this. Um, but yeah, what stood out to you from the homeschooling section as a homeschooler?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure it that that thought of I don't know that I realized it fully came out of integration. it makes sense now, but having control in education is totally a control thing. Um, Certainly a sheltering thing. Um, Yeah, I want to take back control of my kids' education is the overarching thought of it. And so it was funny listening to them talk about how Bill Gothard came up with his Advanced Training Institute, ATI. He's got initials for everything, that man. And uh, while I was homeschooled until ninth grade and I used a lot of different curriculum. I never, uh, I didn't have the privilege of ever having done any ATI, any of the wisdom booklets. They said that so many times. But it's funny because I did do these things called Life Packs, which I believe the publishing company is Alpha Omega, so probably not that far off. Everything is through a very Christian lens. So it's funny when they started talking about some of the principles. I feel like I was on board with the first half. I was like, uh huh, check, like all the evolution stuff, Mm -hmm. the fossils came from the flood. Yes. 100%. Uh
0: I was like, I had forgotten that, but I was totally, totally taught that. My dad was, at one point in our life, he's done a lot of different things. He was a middle school science teacher in a public school that taught evolution because he was required to, but also taught young (laughs) (laughs) Earth-like science. And for me growing up, that meant that in all my dinosaur books... My parents whited out the number of years ago that things (laughs) happened.
1: I don't think my parents did that, but I was definitely told, like, it was mocked that people thought that the year, that, like, that the earth was millions of years old. Like, that was so silly to us. And then, you know, the funny thing is, I mean, yeah, we were very much young earth creationists and like evolution was. Awful. And I just remember, you know, just how they'd revel in when they'd find one thing that didn't connect, you know, Uh whatever. Like, I don't know. It was, we were all being trained to be little uh, litigators about this, right? Like, I remember a lot of it was like arming us with facts about creation versus evolution. So that part, they didn't camp out on it too long in the documentary, but that was like a big thing in my childhood. And later on, I think it was in high school or college that I found out that my grandfather, my conservative, like engineer grandfather is a like creation theistic evolutionist
0: okay Uh uh-huh so he believes in evolution right because
1: the man is a scientist uh uh-huh and the science like worked for NASA and I was so pissed because I didn't even know that this was like an option it was not told to me and I'm like my parent you know evolution was like the worst thing if you believe Mm -hmm. that straight out Right, straight to hell. And so the fact that I found out that like my very very conservative evangelical grandpa is a the- theistic evolutionist is like, there's more options out there. Like, turns out God could use evolution. So let me tell you, that was not in the wisdom booklets.
0: Oh my gosh, I what you said about being little litigators. I think that is like so like just resonates so much like with I, what I understand from like homeschooling and like I think a lot of Christian schools as well is like. Kids are are being trained to, to, to be able to argue and think through things and et cetera, right? With the caveat of, like, it has to fit a biblical worldview. Right. Right? So this idea of, like, they are learning, like, how to go in and argue and how to, like, have these conversations and, like, how to engage, but... Towards the end of, like, we're going to, like, they're just soldiers of the culture war, right? right? Of, right. like, we are going to prove that we are true and we are right, et cetera.
1: Well, it's all the, like, case for Christ kind of stuff, which mm-hmm. was funny. It never made sense to me, even when I was younger, because I'm like, well, if you're not starting, like, I feel like everyone's reasons for this was like, well, God said that, or they'd read scripture to people. I'm like, do right. you know the people you're talking to. Don't believe in God or the Bible. So why is this where you're starting from? Mm-hmm. I at least respected, like at least, kind of the Ken Ham to the world who used their pseudoscience, right? Like people who tried to come at it with facts <laughs> rather than just quoting scriptures at people who don't believe in scripture. Like, right. how is that an argument? How is that a good tactic? But maybe that's just goes to show that we did not Christian education maybe had some gaps in it. Um, just just a few. I mean, I felt so bad. There was one guy, and then there was a couple like. Who had been homeschooled through ATI, and you could just tell like the sadness he had. He he said like that he has a sorrow for people mm-hmm. that were educated in because it's not, it's not education. It's mm-hmm. it's indoctrination. And the wild thing is, is that they're trying to keep their kids from being brainwashed. Even Jill, in her like current day interview, is like had a disparaging thing to say about public school. Right? She kind of mm-hmm. had to like. She's talking crap a little bit on how her upbringing, but then is also being like, "Well, kids can also be brainwashed in public school." I'm like, "Oh, girl, you were brainwashed. Mm-hmm. Like, you are the definition of brainwashed." Mm-hmm. And this is what your parents say they're trying. They they don't want you to be brainwashed by non Christians.
0: Uh-huh. They are completely
1: fine with you being brainwashed right. by them. They might yeah. have called that right. Yeah,
0: yeah, and like just the overlap of like the. You know, you have this curriculum that we'll get into this in a minute, I'm sure, um, about like the the teachings for men and or like boys and girls, like mm-hmm. these like gendered sorts of things. Um, but even just thinking about like the, uh, it seemed like there was a lot of overlap between like the curriculum itself and then like the rules of the cult or the, you know, the rules of like Gothard of like, you know, rock music being bad. And there was like this list of like... Toy is that they couldn't right. Yep. Did you take notes on those?
1: Uh, yeah. It was well, they couldn't watch Winnie the Pooh because Eeyore glorifies depression. Cabbage Patch Kids were invented by a warlock, and apparently each one is cursed as it comes off the assembly line. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Um, and then oh, the game of life. Mm, uh, I don't because
0: there weren't enough seats. Yes, in, the, in car.
1: the car, and I was like, that's. That's some snowflake stuff right there, let me tell you. If you want to know who's a snowflake, if you can't play a game because there's not enough seats in the car, you're not supporting, you know, traditional family values. Mm. But so then they made their own board game. And I really want to get my hands on it. I was thinking as I was, I paused it a couple times to figure out what my favorite parts of the game were. And I was like, if I could just like take a gummy and play this game with my sisters, (laughs) I think it would be a really good time.
0: One of the things about like, You know, all the media that you're not supposed to watch, like the stuff that you, you know, like have to like shield yourself from uh, one of the survivors was talking about like just so much anxiety all the time. Right. Because it's like, you know, I'm going to go to hell. There's this really creepy um, part that they have in there of like a kid's choir singing oh this kid song, right? Yeah. And the words were why should i not be put in hell to suffer for all time? But it's like
1: And there's literally like 2 and 3 year olds on the stage mm-hmm. singing this. Uh, right. I mean, and up to and beyond older children as well. Mm-hmm. It was Which wildly great. And the tune of the song seemed a little happy and right. sweet. And I was like, this is
0: not. Why should i not burn in hell? <laughs> um yeah, it was it was terrible. And i just really resonated with that part because I've always had not always now I don't but up until I was like 30 years old or older I had hell anxiety of just like yeah what if I do the wrong thing what if I like lose my faith what like those things and so for me that's been a huge part of my life like coming out of that I was like I did not realize that I had this like this program running in the background of my whole life all the time of like what if you go to hell what if you you know lose everyone you love and get and get punished forever um I think one of the functions of that hell anxiety that's really worth mentioning and and one of the survivors does a really good job of talking about this. She said you end up cannibalizing your self-confidence with overanalyzing instead of criticizing the system. So like as long as people are afraid of going to hell, right? You're always trying to check in with yourself and you don't even have the mental space to think like Maybe the system is really fucked up and is really hurting me and other people, right? You're yep. just so focused on like am I doing it right? Like, yeah, Jill I think it was
1: the most important part of the episode. Like, yeah, when she said your critical thinking is turned on yourself. Mm-hmm. And so you're worried about hell for yourself and you're constantly worried like am I doing it right? You don't have the mental energy to then t- step back and look at the system as a whole and mm-hmm. see if it's messed up. You or only think it's all individual responsibility. I'm messed up, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm a sinner. I need grace. And so you don't have, yeah, you don't have it in you to look at the system. And I, I hadn't thought about that as setting people up for like to stay in an abusive system and not call it out. It really hadn't dawned on me that like, oh, right. If all of your mental energy is going Mm -hmm. to this, this fear, this very real anxiety, because it's, it's told you all the time. It Uh is not, it's not a thing that the people are just picking up at random. It is like, it's beaten into you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Literally sing- and figuratively. Right. Yeah. You were
0: singing children's songs yes. about it, yeah. right? Yeah. That really stood out to me and just like I think a really important part of this picture for sure. Um, and Jill Duggar even says that. She says, like, I you know, when you're worried all the time about what you're thinking or feeling or doing that might send you to hell, like that just is like you're in this headspace all the time. So
1: yeah, constantly. But my last point about like the Gothard material or his crafting, you know, him and all his people, they they made their own curriculum, and of course, they charged money for it, and they made money on it, mm-hmm. all that fun stuff. But he claimed that, and I love when they just make these claims because there's no facts to back up anything ever with them. And he said, if you finish like ATI Institute, uh, that it's the equivalent of a high school diploma and a pre-law and pre-med degree. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I was like, say what? How? Exactly? Like, I just love that he just says that and people are like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally.
0: So wild. Yeah.
1: (laughs) The people who took it would beg to differ. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Before we go into this, like, next part, like, I think keeping with this theme of the episode about, like, what allows abuse to happen, I just have been thinking a lot about how isolating homeschooling is. Like just by its nature, right? Like at least if you're evangelical and you have uh your family and then you have your church and then you have school and you might have a like a teacher that is like not a part of that whole crew that might see you. There's like this yeah, there's just this little gap of like how things could be different or like meeting Someone who's not a Christian and knowing that they are kind or whatever, right. like, you know, and, and so it's would, just, it is so isolating. I
1: would also say to have someone to advocate for you.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that
1: having someone, you know, having a mandatory reporter.
0: Right. Being exactly. Ready. So there's
1: also that as well. Like, I don't think that maybe that was, int- that's I don't think that's intentional on the part of homeschoolers, but it obviously now is showing us that is a problem.
0: Yeah, it's huge. So this might be a good time to say, like, we're shifting from talking about homeschooling to, I guess, purity culture and also, like, uh, submission, oppression of women.
1: Yeah, misogyny, patriarchy, all those Mm -hmm. fun things.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, because that was baked into the homeschooling curriculum.
1: Yeah, it, it really focuses on, like, one of the things that I thought was absolutely wild is they have a woman talking about um, that she started off kind of strong. She said that men have a problem with their eyes is like the first quote she said. And I was like, yeah, great. You're putting the problem on men for once. Like Christians don't ever do that. And then she immediately turns to the solution is to avoid eye traps. The shorter the skirt, the more vicious the trap was her quote. And I was like, wow. So my skirt's the problem not their eyes and so then in the curriculum in the wisdom booklets if you will there was pictures of women's dresses all of which were very i would say conservative nothing no, not a bit of cleavage was shown i think there was one skirt that was like slightly below the knee with a slight slit And you were supposed to, like, circle, but one had, like, was a little tighter fitting and had to lace, and one did have a slit that came slightly above the knee. And those were the things that the girls were supposed to— like circle as yeah. eye traps.
0: This was a homework assignment. Yes, as part, of the, part of the curriculum.
1: Yes. And yes. so, like one of the lady, like my favorite quote was she said something like, Instead of learning math, we were learning slut shaming. Mm-hmm. Which is so true. You know? Mm-hmm. Like I said, it started off with the premise of like dudes are the problem, but actually they're not the problem. You're the mm-hmm. problem. And it did show a lot of video about like what the Duggars and other people like them more. <laughs> like the I never thought of it, the pilgrim callers. <laughs> like uh-huh. And it's like, we're talking dresses, but they're like sacks. They're wearing glorified mm-hmm. sacks. And then I also didn't realize the, like, the hair thing.
0: I know. We got to talk about that. Because, like, I think a lot of evangelicals grew up, clothes need to be a certain size or length, right? right. In this, In a way. But, yeah, explain the hair thing.
1: It just, it seemed like they wanted girls to have long hair, which I've seen that before. Like, thinking it's bad for women to cut their hair. Because, I don't know, they might look. I Did don't...
0: you grow up in that?
1: No, actually, my grandma chopped off all of my hair when I was like eight, like in a little short pixie cut. I don't know if I got gum in my hair. Or if I probably was. I just didn't brush my hair. I don't remember why. I remember it was with my grandma, and she didn't ask my mom. And I got I was so sad. I cried and cried. And then my mom let me pierce my ears because I said I looked like a boy. So that's probably it. They just didn't want girls looking like boys. And frankly, I didn't want to at that point in my life. Later mm. on, I, you know, of course, went for the mani- manic pixie dream girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no. And my mom didn't have a problem with it because she did perm my hair at one point. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. But that was a weird thing. It's like they want girls hair long and also curly. My guess is the thought was that they didn't ever say why in the documentary. My assumption would be it's more feminine.
0: Yeah. And they made it like there's something about like it helps focus on the countenance oh, of yes. your face so that you can show your submissiveness.
1: Right. It, was that,
0: I don't know if that was the word that they used, but like you can show that you are happy and grateful to the men in your life. Like, yeah, it, was, it
1: draws attention. Michelle said something about it, drawing attention to her countenance. Mm-hmm. And they also get into Michelle's voice and and how soft-spoken she is and how she like infantilizes herself. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the point she was a cheerleader, a homegirl, like knows how to yell. But the, the women all had to be this meek and mild, and everything had to be so submissive. And it was like a personality that they were taking on. It was like an intentional choice. And well,
0: intentional training. Well, yeah, exactly. Right? They were
1: conditioned to be that way because it's not, you're not ever react you're not being hysterical, you're not mm-hmm. reacting in anger. You're, yeah, it's, it was, it was pretty wild. Just, of course, am I surprised? Like this section to me was like, well, yeah, duh. I was raised in purity culture, mm-hmm. I had many fights with. Fam, like my mom about what I was gonna wear. I went to a Christian high school that had really strict rules about what girls could wear. There was no rules about boys. Like my mm-hmm. my shirts had to be if I raised my hands above my head, it, no skin could show.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And this was in the nineties, so like the low waisted <laughs> jeans were in, and so it's really hard. It's really hard mm-hmm. to get shirts that are that long. You have to just. I, that's when the long I. I blame the long tank tops. Do you remember the layered tank top Mm -hmm. look that all the 90s? That Mm -hmm. was all 90s Christian girls that did Mm -hmm. that because we all had stupid rules about your tummy can never, ever, ever show because tummies are sexy. Did you know that? (laughs) Not culty at all.
0: Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, it just really was. I think one thing that stood out to me as well that was just like really heartbreaking is one of the survivors was talking about how she had no agency right there was this boy that was interested in her and basically she was like I wasn't attracted to him I didn't like him but like I just had this role um of like being a wife and a mother like I didn't really have a choice um and so yeah it was that just yeah it was really heartbreaking to think about that part um
1: and and with courtship being essentially like you're giving your parents the control of your dating life. That is what courtship is. Your parents approve or disapprove of that. You don't really get a say. It's essentially like evan- evangelical arranged marriage, mm-hmm. right? That you may or may not be on board with.
0: Yeah. So one of the things with these like gender roles, they talk about spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, and they there are like different types, but they fall into two categories. One are the prophets uh-huh. and one are the mercies, right? Uh-huh. And the prophets like do active things. I think like they lead things and they call things out, and the mercies are uh, take on the burdens of others. How
1: nice of them, right? <laughs> and um, if you guys all had to put a guess together about who maybe like what gender is the mercy versus the prophet. I'm going to tell you, you're probably right, because mm-hmm. all of the women are merc- they're supposed to take on the burdens of everybody else with a smile
0: mm-hmm. and with a
1: softness and with grace. And the men get to say whatever they want because they're a fucking prophet. Mm-hmm. They're just like, well, I said it and God spoke it through me. So deal with it. Mm-hmm. And that like works out really well for them. And it's like, how how many women do you know that uh, if you're into the Enneagram test as an Enneagram 2? And my question is always like, are they actual 2 or are they conditioned to be a 2 by mm-hmm. society? Like, And an Enneagram 2 is the helper. And so it is like women in our society, it's larger than evangelicalism, but really specifically in evangelicalism. Like that is what women are. They're supporting These men who are supposed to be the heads of the household and the head of the church and they're doing the preaching and the women got to make them comfortable and make their lives better. And so, yeah, I just when they asked Jill, like what her they were like, do you know, do you remember what your spiritual gift is? And it's like the only time I think you see her laugh in any of the interviews because she's just like, yes, yes, I do. Mm -hmm. Mercy, like go figure, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which maybe leads us to are we going to get into the buddy system? This is not a thing I had heard of
0: no me before. neither the buddy
1: system I mean I've heard of the buddy system so you like don't get lost in Disneyland yeah on, you a, know?
0: Home, on a field trip yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> for For you who didn't go to public school, they also do it on field mm, trips.
1: Okay, well, I've never been on a field trip. <laughs> no, that's not true. I actually went on a couple of field trips to um, with homeschool co-ops. Oh, so I right. did. That's the infamous someday DL can tell the story of that. she got she hit her head on a meat grinder because mm, we mm-hmm. went on a field trip to a meat packing factory because that's what homeschoolers do. Mm-hmm. So so we learned that these families have so many children. And it seems like it was marketed and packaged by the Duggars as, like, a system that they were telling to other families. I don't know if they came up with the system. They don't really get into that. But it's a buddy system in which the older female children are taking on the responsibilities and parenting their younger children. And I'm not going to lie, I had a hard time with this section on a number of levels because, A, it's really sad to see, like, children being put into, like, really heavy roles where they're responsible for like tiny children
0: yeah this is like 11 year olds like taking on night like having an infant sleep in their bed and like waking up to feed them during the night
1: yeah and it also just i think hit really close to home being the eldest sibling and feeling like i yeah i parented my siblings a lot and i didn't necessarily sign up for it and it just like looking back on some of that and even like being volunteered to babysit for church functions and never being paid for those things and the amount of kids that I watched for free. And I was just expected to watch other kids always. And it sucked. And Mm -hmm. it's part of like, as I got older, I was straight up like, I wasn't the high schooler that like did babysitting to make money. I wanted nothing to do with watching children. I didn't want to go into a profession that worked with children. I was done Mm -hmm. like working Mm -hmm. with kids. So we specifically look at the Duggar girls and mm-hmm. their, how they were – so we looked – Jill had three siblings that she was responsible for. And so basically Michelle said something along the lines of like, they're my buddy until they're weaned, which I thought was really creepy. Mm-hmm. Like as a mom to say, this child is my buddy until I wean it and then it's my other kid's problem? That's bizarre. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't have more kids if you can't parent them. Just saying. Just just a thought that mm-hmm. I am having. But yeah, it just, it honestly got really sad. And I think someone asked the question of like, is anyone asking those 11 year olds like what their needs are? Mm -hmm. Like the thought, the fact that those kids were having like an infant sleep in the bed with them, that they weren't sleeping, that they were getting up to do night feedings. I don't think I realized it was that intense that you're responsible for like, the video clips were showing them brushing their teeth. And these are looking like they're like babies. They're like year and a half, two years. These girls are, these 11 year old girls are responsible for them, which is messed up. Mm-hmm.
0: What are, what are your thoughts on yeah, all that? Yeah. I mean, this is like such an important time developmentally where you are learning who you are in the world, like how you interact, like what are things that you like to do? Yeah. Um where do you fit in your family? It is a time where you are starting to like take on some responsibility, but what this does is it s- sends this message that your worth and identity is rooted in doing a task caring for someone else right which i guess goes back to the whole like mercy spiritual gift thing like Mm -hmm. as a as a female at least as someone socializes female in this setting like your worth and function really is just to the extent that you can take care of the other people in your life that is your only worth i think
1: and what were the boys doing
0: I don't know.
1: They that would is just a- like twiddle in their thumbs. Like that's the thing I'm like, there's a lot of tasks to do and we only ever see the girls doing them and that fits in with their worldview. I don't think I mean maybe the boys were like mowing the yard or something. I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. That feels like that's the only thing I can think of.
0: Yeah. So I just think there is so many I've been thinking about this episode in turn in terms of healthy development and yeah, this sense of self and identity. And like that, that is, if you're an 11 year old, that you're the majority of your time is looking after an infant. Like there's no room to develop a sense of self or who you are or Mm -hmm. friendships or like, you know, it is, it's really devastating to think about.
1: And just how quickly they had to grow up. And because they're so isolated, you know, it's the only world that they know. They don't, and they only surround themselves with people that are like them they probably don't even know that a different world is possible and it's just they see their older siblings modeling for them and it just trickles down and yeah it just made me it just made me really sad that none of these kids got a childhood and I really hope that they all are in therapy now that's what I would like for them they're probably not but
0: Uh, just yesterday DL was saying like wouldn't it be great if uh, we could sue folks in the family uh, make them go bankrupt paying all of our therapy bills
1: (laughs) love that i've heard i know that people have tried or there's like class there's rumors of class action lawsuits Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm into it yeah
0: if you're listening and you know about class action lawsuits please tell us please let us know because uh we're curious speaking of parenting speaking of dobson and folks on the family what
1: a wonderful transition to our next traumatic segment
0: yes about uh discipline and authoritarian parenting
1: Yeah, this this next section is a doozy, so um, just be warned that we are going to get into um, specifically physical abuse, spanking, um, and and psychological abuse for very small children. It's it's a lot, so if you are not able to hear that, that's okay. Skip skip on ahead. Uh, Yeah, they just launched into this, and I knew we would get. I knew that the Gothard way of discipline was intense um i knew that it was dobson you know we were much more raised in a dobson household so i know that i know the strong-willed child i'm familiar with the wooden spoon it's funny i didn't get the wooden spoon all that much because it was i was not the strong-willed child in my family Mm -hmm. my parents figured out really early on that um grounding me was much more effective taking me away from my friends Mm -hmm. um taking me away from the phone like the landline man like when i couldn't Mm -hmm. call my friends i was so bummed so Mm -hmm. that's what was actually effective with me so i didn't I, i mean sure i got spanked but
0: I will say like I I've been reading re uh, re-reading. I've been re- excuse me. I've been reading Dobson and seeing what he recommends and seeing what how I was disciplined and there's some strong similarities here.
1: Yeah, I mean they just get basically they get right into the Duggar children, hence the name of the podcast or hence the name of the docu-series, Shiny Happy People that they're all perfect and they're little angels and they never act out. But once you look closely at them, you realize it's just broken spirits and it's kids who don't have their own personality or their own voice and who've literally had that beaten out of them.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know where we want to start with this. There's so much here.
1: I mean, my notes start with (laughs) this section, all caps, the spanking demonstration. Holy shit. That's that's what I wrote Mm -hmm. down. So, I mean, that's, Kind of how, because again, they kind of get around and it wasn't Bill Gothard himself, but like they bring up at an IBLP conference, they bring up a volunteer from the audience, this older pastor man brings up a young boy and to demonstrate how to spank a child in love. Mm -hmm. And whoo, it was. It, first of all, it's, like, so inappropriate. He's, like, bending the stranger kid over, like, fake spanking him and then forcing the kid to give him a hug because he's showing that, like, after you spank the kid, they need to hug you because they it's on them to, like, reconcile mm-hmm. with you. And then he makes the kid do it again because he didn't hug him tight enough. Tight enough. It wasn't...
0: Right, yeah. And, and the other piece here is that he, while he was is spanking him, He's ble- he is saying words of blessing over him oh,
1: right Ugh.
0: right. So yeah, he's basically saying like you are you are loved, you are awesome and oh you're also- gonna be a
1: strong man of God, I think mm-hmm. he said.
0: right and and inflicting pain at the same time and then yeah, then forcing him to hug him afterward and like it has to be a genuine sincere hug or else more spanking. And the thing is this is not that different from Dobson. I remember growing up and my parents, you know, spanking me and saying, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Like this idea of like, I love you so much. I mean, Dobson had a book titled Love Must Be Tough. And I think that this mixed message of I'm inflicting hurt on you at the same time as I love you is is actually, it's really, it's really different than like, my dad has a belt and I have to watch out for him or like he's angry and I have to be careful. Like this is this extra level of like also trying to really communicate to your kid that you are safe and loving and this is right. And just, it is, it's really a mind fuck. Uh, I want to talk, uh, some of y'all know that I am a nerd about attachment science. There is this attachment style called disorganized attachments, which happens when kids are traumatized it's where there's something scary happening and when there's something scary happening you want to go to your parent because you want their safety and you want their comfort but if your parent is the one inflicting that that harm and that that fear then you get stuck in this place of like where do i go and your nervous system doesn't know what to do and it's called disorganized attachment cuz it literally it kind of like disorganizes your orientation to the world. Like, I don't know what's safe. I don't know what's not safe. Like it is like when you think about like torture victims in like military camps, right. Where they literally try to like break you down so that you don't have a sense of self. That is like what is happening here to these kids because they are being told you are loved. I love you. And at the same time, I'm going to hurt you. And like, I am getting emotional talking about this. I feel like I'm going to cry because it's like, it is, it is so traumatizing. Um the the researchers call it fear without resolution. It is this idea of just like there's nowhere safe to go. Um, and it really breaks down like your sense mm. of self and your sense of reality in a sense, right? And you can see that with these like with these kids. It is like they're like, it is, by the hug, right? Like, forced to in every way disregard your own internal experience and get on board with the experience of the parent.
1: Yeah. I mean, that seems to be the theme of the episode, is like ignoring your own feelings, right? Like it's, you don't, you're too busy being worried about, you know, whether you're going to hell or uh, whether you're not obeying your parents or whatever to actually think about what you might want. And it's it's so, well, the fact that they called, and um, the, because, they bring up the fact that, like, why wasn't this shown necessarily in the show? Like, they don't really get into it. It was highly produced. I don't know if the producers knew and just chose not to show that, which makes sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact that they called it... Um, encouragement. encouragement. Oh! That I just, like, I wanted, I wanted to, like, puke. It just was... And the, the kids know that, man, they go in the room and get spanked for an encouragement. Like, mm. I'm sorry, could Michelle and Jim Bob have actually believed that that was encouraging to anyone? It's so, and no wonder, like you're saying with this attachment thing, it makes so much sense that like you, your little brain just doesn't even know. Like you're being told that this is a good thing. Like, how do you know right from wrong when you're just the mixed messages that you're being given from the people who are supposed to be your protectors and the people who love you?
0: It is. It's so sad. We also need to mention the the blanket training. Oh my god, which is also just devastating. And
1: um, I cried during this part of the episode. I had a really hard time with it. Just like watching tiny little babies, and I didn't know that this was a thing. Again, these are things that are that don't resonate with my childhood experience and seem a little, this does feel like the fringe stuff of the Duggars. And maybe it was more prevalent in evangelicalism than I realized. Certainly the Dobson style of discipline was, which I don't think is too far off from this. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally.
1: I mean, it's, it's still the same baseline principle. I just had never, this felt like a very, I don't, again, I don't know if Michelle came up with this. She certainly marketed it and was proud of it, which is, to hear the soft-spoken woman talk about like fucking tormenting, infants
0: mm-hmm. we should explain what right, it is sorry.
1: yeah 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 you want to explain what the blanket training is i clearly do i have a few passionate thoughts about this oh my Just gosh a couple.
0: yeah uh you lay out a blanket and then you put something that the kid wants outside of the blanket and as soon as they reach for it you hit them
1: and and this is like a six-month-old infant mm-hmm. that can't or like it sounds like six to twelve months old like a very small infant well, and Michelle was saying she would do it several times a day and she would call the kids together because it was going to be this fun thing. Okay, blanket time. I mean, I feel like I would be like, oh, I got I to gotta pee or, you know, right, <laughs> I, feel yeah. like, I can't find some. They don't have a lot of excuses. I got to go do laundry for all the 18 other kids. I got to miss blanket time today. I can't imagine anyone looked forward to Because what was, how was that fun for the child? Like, you're just...
0: Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about Erickson's psychosocial stages, uh, which is has to do with just, like, basic development. And during those early years, one of the things that we learned to have a healthy sense of developing self, which, of course, Gothard and the Duggars and evangelicalism are not interested in, um, is being able to say, like, I want this and that to be okay. And it doesn't mean that it's always okay, but, like, for you to say, like, I want Cheetos for lunch like that helps you develop a sense of like myself and that's okay. And what they're saying is like there's no room for yourself here. Like I just and and how this plays out is like this can can play out where uh then you get really disconnected from your own desires and initiative. So like I, you know, this is like the 30 something year old adult that's like I can't look for another job because like I'm so like Every time I've reached for something that I actually want, I get smacked. Right? Um, it really has long-lasting um, implications, which is, I mean, which was the whole goal, right? Right. So.
1: And with courtship, I'm sure, even if like the guy that's being proposed to you to be your life partner, you probably have no idea that you can be like, "No, can we find a different one?" Like, I, well, I'm so curious how many people in the IBLP would turn down a court or were they even given that option? It just seems like. F- they weren't given options for anything. If they couldn't even reach for a toy as a single adult, you know, it's like, you know what babies need to do? They need to explore. Their little brains need to grow. They need to, like that is a huge way that babies learn. And they, it's like, no wonder all these children just seem like, like obedient little zombies. They have not actually developed as like proper children who need to like play and laugh. Like, do you ever see like, they ne- they're they like never laughing. Right. Yeah. Like, really serious. So True. Um, I will say there was like one quote that someone said um, that uh, basically that the Gothard way uh, turned every father into a cult leader and every home into an island. And I thought that that was really poignant. Just sort of like the idea of too many cults is like, actually the IBLP made like little family cults. Like each one was this island idea of you were so isolated and you only had your family to turn to. And of course, when that's all you have, That's your worldview. They're not worshiping Jesus. They're worshiping Bill Gothard or the patriarch of the family. You know, that's it. Blind obedience to that person is what they're being taught. And I don't know what the goodness is that they thought was supposed to come with it. Like these promises, right? Because none of that feels very
0: good. Yeah. One thing I was thinking about is with with the umbrellas piece, uh, that's such a, that really correlates with the blanket right Mm -hmm. like stay in this space Mm -hmm. under this authority and if you go outside of it you're gonna get hurt Mm. yeah Uh, we gotta talk about the next part which is what this is all leading up to Yeah, which is um, Josh Duggar abusing his sisters um, and also um, that he uh, cheated on his wife through the um, whatever what's it called what's the website called Uh,
1: Madison Ashley Madison. Ashley I was Madison. gonna say Madison Reed, which is a hair care company oh, that is know. advertised on podcasts all the time. Uh, okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Ashley Madison. Right. Yeah. So trigger warning here for sexual abuse. Um and here we hear from Jill talking about what happened in the when it when when this came to light, right? Mm-hmm. Um and and yeah, what, what stood out to you from this part?
1: Yeah. I mean, basically it seems like the the big thing, like what made this go public is or is the Megan Kelly interview where the Jessa and Jill were interviewed. And basically, from the way uh I understand it is that they were told they needed to like have the family's back and that they needed to like take the fall for the family and they needed to minimize the abuse so that the show could continue. I'm sure they were told, like, don't you want to provide for your siblings? They didn't get into this, but I'm sure the threats of, like, do you want this family to be ruined?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they literally say, like, you know, he's not a monster. Like, don't call him a molester. Like, other people have done far worse. Like, they literally minimize it because that's what they were told to do. Yes, What really stood out to me from this is that the documentary sort of makes it in this way of, like, they were trying to keep the show afloat, which I think is true. But for those of us that have that are survivors of sexual abuse in a family system like that, um, you don't have to have a TV show on the line to feel that pressure to minimize to just move on. And I was thinking about Jill, even like it gets framed around like she's forgiving him so that uh, the TLC show can go on. But think about what we talked about earlier, right? The mercy role is they bear others' burdens. They deal they take on, right? Like you have to respond with mercy. Like TLC show like does not have to exist to have her programmed from a young age of you have to forgive, you have to give men a second chance. You you know like all those things like
1: well and it's not that unfamiliar to all of us who know people who have stayed in abusive marriages because we're told that God can fix anyone and God can reconcile God like, everyone is redeemable right and when you believe that like sure everyone's redeemable but you also don't have to put up with abuse
0: right yeah and that it the episode started off with um a couple of things one was Jim Bob's, uh, says, you know, we saw him and we knew he was a totally changed person. Talking about Josh Duggar after, after yeah he after goes he to his came back, he was like he was a totally ch- different person, and also said he was just curious.
1: And right, this is, they send him away for a little while to like an IBLP camp for like troubled youth, and then they bring him back home before they start filming the TV show, knowing that he like had abused his sisters and then we get like the ringer quote of all time so then later they're doing another interview or they're asked questions about josh so they sweep that all on the rug and then all these allegations come out about his affair on ashley madison and which is a site for married people to go on and like have affairs like that's the point of the site and so then I don't fully know the Duggar response. They didn't get into that a lot. It was more just like showing that, again, he's got scandal. and But Michelle Duggar said something like on a microphone and said, I don't need to talk to Josh. I'm going to talk to our Heavenly Father.
0: Yeah, right. Which is like just so much spiritual bypassing here, right? Like in terms of that, in terms of like God can change anyone, like that is the way that evangelicals have dealt with abuse, Is just like total spiritual and making it about God and not about the person who's actually hurt.
1: Right. And when it's literally only about the person, like what is talking to God going to do for Josh? What's it going to do for his sisters? Like literally nothing. (laughs) Like, You need to help them. (laughs) And I feel and while Josh is, you know, a perpetrator here, I do feel bad for him. And sometimes I wish that someone would have gotten him actual help. You know, like I wish that like real change could have happened, but they didn't they didn't deal with it in a way. you know, like I don't know if there would have been hope for him to turn it around, but they surely didn't they they really didn't help the victims, but they didn't help him either. like this this system is abusive for everyone. It's mm-hmm. not nobody's winning in this
0: right. and it I mean, this is a narcissistic family system where it's all about making the family look good, making mm-hmm. the parents look good which makes God look good, you know? Um, And that, I mean, that's just like, having a narcissistic family is one where abuse can happen because it's this whole idea of um, having a good face is more important than that, especially the people that have less power in the family. Right.
1: Well, and it's so interesting when the children are good and they act well, that reflects upon the parents and that's based on your good parenting. But if they mess up and they do something terrible, that's Satan fault mm-hmm. it's not your fault as parents. Right. parent yeah. so that's very convenient
0: <laughs> yeah well we did it
1: i think that we did oh th- man it's
0: there's so much in this episode we did not get to all of it um you know reach out um i know if you're a patreon in the prophetic imagination station we have conversations there um i know that y'all do stuff on what we've do you
1: got, we've got a facebook group if you want to come ask questions about that same thing prophetic imagination station does or you know reach out to us on either our uh show instagrams or our personal like i'm always happy to ask answer questions and dialogue about this stuff um yeah it was a lot and clearly we have a lot of thoughts on this and we could talk for so much longer than the episode even was it's a doozy and it really it's,
0: is I mean,
1: It starts off, like, I feel like I was like, oh, yeah, I get some of this stuff. Like, the homeschool stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, 100%. Like, and then once you get down, like, just I think the thing to take away is just how these kids were conditioned to accept whatever horrible thing was thrown their way. And the horrible things were thrown their way, and they just thought that that's how things were supposed to be. And it's just not right, and it's not fair. And I think having a lot of grief for that and allowing yourself to grieve, like, what— we were taught as kids about this kind of thing. And then also seeing like what the system did to other kids and talking about it now, hopefully can help the next generation. And also we like, thank God for therapy and working through a lot of this religious trauma. We'll talk about that. You know, you're a therapist and I've done a lot of therapy. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've also done a lot of therapy. It's usually an important part of being a therapist.
1: Yeah, that's true. I would hope I, one would hope. So yeah, thanks for joining us on this wild and, wooly journey and we'll talk at you next week.